0: Hi everyone, good morning, morning. awesome, so I came all the way from Croydon this morning, does anyone know where Croydon is? (laughs) Yes, you know, it is not a, you know, small journey, Um, (laughs) yeah, Henry was telling me it would have been quicker for me to come from um, Leicester, um, (laughs) which just shows how big London is, amen, So I'm really excited. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, one of my close friends, Luke Graham. He's not here today, but I love him to bits. And hopefully he can hear my affirmation on the podcast later on. And um, today I want to speak to us about obedience. And um, I just want to introduce myself. So I am Nigerian. Yes, the most anointed country in the world. Amen. (laughs) Woo! I am Nigerian and um, I grew up in a Christian family and um, I have the most amazing parents who really just cultivated my faith from a young age. And something that I really saw with my parents is that they had such a big value of obedience. When my parents told me that, well, do this, I have to do it immediately. In fact, when... um, Sometimes when I would try to um, be a bit cheeky and I'll try to pretend, like, for example, my dad would be upstairs and my dad will be calling my name. It's like, Wale, Wale. I try to pretend like he can't hear me. <laughs> and then later on, um, I'll get convicted. I'm like, come in, dad. I'm coming. And something that my parents used to say is that, let me not try to repeat myself. Try to obey me on the first instant. And... Um, we basically talked um, about my story um, a bit, but I just really want to dive into it. So when I was in second year of university, um, I had a dream. And essentially, the dream of was of something called a gospel showcase. And this dream basically, um, like I said before, was a Broadway production um, that basically told the creative story, that told the story of Jesus through creative means. So in this dream, I literally saw drama, I saw spoken word, I saw dance performances, and I also showed short a short talk and um, a time of ministry and I had this dream for seven nights back to back and it was only on the seventh night that um, I realized that perhaps God is trying to speak to me because I wasn't really a dreamer and I remember really naively I knelt down on the side of my bed and I said I said to God is this you and the Lord spoke to me and he said it's me and it's called imprint and it's a movement that will bring my prodigals back to me and I remember afterwards, I um, skateboarded to university, and I saw some of my um, friends from uni, and I basically said, guys, this is really crazy, but the Lord has given me this dream about something called Imprint, and it's a gospel showcase, and this is what I saw my dream, and they said, Wally, we'll support you to do it. And a few months later, we hosted the showcase. We had it in our uni club, and we saw that um, 400 students came to the event. And that was very surprising to us. And that night, we literally saw hundreds of people give their life back to Jesus. Even though we dedicated their lives, so they gave their lives to Jesus for the first time. And then, um, long story, um, and then after some time later, uh, we actually church planted um, into Leicester, and now we also planted into London. And we have something in our church called Legacy Sunday, which is essentially something where each year we say to the Lord that we want to financially um, sow into the next thing that you're calling us for our community. And we want to thank you for the things that you've done in the past. But we're also going to use that as a firm foundation to basically say, God, we believe that you're going to accelerate us into our future. So we gather testimonies, we gather prophetic words, and I remember someone um, in the congregation um, stood up to give this testimony. And she essentially said um, publicly, Wale, I just want to thank you for your obedience. And she said, because of your obedience, so many people in this place have actually found community. And so many people have given their lives to Jesus. And even my friends, I've got to see them give their lives to Jesus. And when she said that, I was quite emotional. And I wasn't emotional because she said nice words. But I was emotional because I realized that there were so many times, especially when it came to starting a church, that I disqualified myself. There were so many times where I said, God, I can't obey you in this particular thing. There were so many times where I felt like this is too big for me, that unfortunately, God, you've you've got the wrong guy. And this was some of the things that I said um, to myself. And I was basically said to God that I can't obey you in this because of this. One of the excuses I had was that my family wasn't impressed. At first, I thought I should pursue a proper career in finance. My friends thought I was crazy. I thought I had become a radical. <laughs> um, church leaders um, don't get paid that much. Um, and I, um, as much as an, econo- um, an economist and I have an economics degree, um, I had never really preached before. I didn't have a theology degree or go to vicar school. I have no idea what Anglican means. <laughs> <laughs> and I am far too young. And these were some of the excuses that I was saying over myself. And I said to the Lord, even in prayer, and I'll still hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me and saying, but Wally, would you still obey me? And I believe that God is looking for a generation of people that say, despite my shortcomings, despite my qualifications or lack of, despite my experiences, and despite my defaults, I will still obey you if you speak to me. And this really just reminded me of the prophetic word that the Lord had for the Israelites. So if we could just turn to Genesis chapter 15, verse 17. And I come from a Pentecostal background, so when you're there, say amen. <laughs> And I'd just like to say, I am Anglican. Many people don't believe me. Literally a few days ago, um, I was meeting with a network leader, and I said, "Yeah, like I lead an Anglican church." And he looked at me, he was like, "There's nowhere you're in the Church of England." I' <laughs> um, Genesis 15, verse 17. Amen Amen. So it says, "When the sun has set and darkness had fallen, a smoky firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I give this land from Wadi of Egypt, to the great river, the Ephuterates, the land of the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the, you know, a lot of ice, (laughs) 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 and all the ice. So essentially, this was a prophetic word that God gave to Abraham Abraham, um, later on. And this was a word that the Lord said that for your descendants, for your offspring, I have a land that we later know is a land flowing of milk and honey. And this was a word, this was a vision from the Lord that the Israelites carried for generations. And it came to the point of where they could actually receive that prophetic word. And this is what happened. So let's turn to Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Are you sure you're there? You're just saying it. (laughs) Numbers 13, verse 26. Amen. 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 Okay, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community and Kadesh in the desert of Paran. So essentially, let me just give um, some context. So um, Moses sent 12 spies into this promised land to go and check out, um, you know, if we can actually... Take this promised land. So this is what it says. So verse 26 again. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Haran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit in the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here, is, here it is. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, a lot of live in the hill of the country. And the Kenites um, live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone there, gone up with them, said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report and the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephil, the descendants of Anak, come from there. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked we look the same to them. So essentially what happened here is that they had gone to actually look at the promised land. And everyone, all those spies came back with a report to come and speak to the Israelites. So for example, today, and some of the Israelites who went to go in and said, Caleb, for example, said, we can take this land. We can do it. We can do it. But the other guys said that, no, we can't do it. Like, look how giant these guys are. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And we look like grasshoppers in the ice. And I want us to just go to Numbers chapter 14, verse 10. Amen. Amen. Actually, let's go from Numbers 14 and verse 1. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites scrambled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is it that the Lord is bringing us to the land, only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other... We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And let's go to um, verse 10. It says, but the whole community and um, talked about stoning them. The glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long would they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation stronger than they are. So I want to go back to the point that they said. They said we are grasshoppers. We are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So they basically disqualified themselves. They couldn't get over their own particular insecurity. And I don't know if anyone is like me, but there's so many times when I see an insecurity, where I see a default, where I see a shortcoming in myself, where I say that, God, I can't obey you in this particular thing. Even though I believe you promised this, even though I believe that you prophesied this, I can't obey you in this thing. And honestly, that wouldn't be any different from some of the Bible um, characters that we know. In the example of Moses himself, when the Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people and I'm going to send you to be a deliverer. Moses said to the Lord, that's who am I to go and speak to the Israelites? Who am I to go down to Egypt? And the Lord responded to him. He said, I will be with you. A similar thing when it came to Gideon, when the Lord said to Gideon, that you're going to be a deliverer for the Israelites, especially when they're being oppressed by the Midianites. Gideon said to the Lord that I am the weakest in my clan. How can you come and send me? But again, the Lord said to him that I will be with you. And that's the Lord's response to us. I can't find a particular extract in the Bible. I can't find a particular scripture where someone came, where the Lord actually gave a word to a person and said, would you go and follow me in this? And they, in return, responded in their insecurity and said, okay, I can't do this because of so-and-so. I can't find an example where the Lord said, okay, don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually can't find an example, which kind of shows that, in the midst of our insecurity, in the midst of our anxiety, that our limitations is not an excuse for us not to obey God. And if we look with the Israelites, especially who came among, uh, who were actually sent in to the promised land to go and spy, to go and be spies in that particular region, the Bible says that they came back with a bad report, that they went around spreading and, and gossiping this bad report, saying that we can't do it, we can't do it. And, you know, um, I'm sure many of us are in teams um, in this church. And I I have a great team um, in London as well. And I've also worked in many different teams. And sometimes when you hear a vision, sometimes when you hear a word, um, it can be a bit difficult to actually believe it. And sometimes, even myself included, I've actually had to catch myself out when someone shares um, a prophetic word or someone says, this is where I believe God is calling us to plant into, or this is where I believe that um, God is calling us to um, do, and perhaps a new way to reach a new different um, type of demographic and um, social group. There's times when I've heard those words, I'm like, do you know what? I don't really believe it. And as a result, I've went around going and spreading a bad report. I've gone around um, saying that this actually can't happen. Look at, look at the different possibilities. And I can imagine that none of us have been like that before. Maybe it's just me just, just <laughs> saying that. But the thing is, the thing about spreading a bad report is that it disempowers people. And it disempowers their faith. And this is what the Lord's um, response, especially when the Israelites spread a bad report and, um, and they were essentially, they stopped pursuing the promised land because of their insecurity. The Lord said to them, how long would my people treat me with contempt? So in my everyday ling- um, English, essentially the Lord was saying, how long would my people not take me seriously? by refusing to believe what I have said. And the Lord said, why are they treating me with contempt? Because he's essentially saying, I've been faithful in the past. And it's even possible for us to believe in a God who has been faithful, who has done so much in the past, but yet still not believe him for the future. And my question is to you today, is that what is the thing that God has put on your heart? that perhaps seems impossible, that perhaps seems like it's too great of a task, even perhaps for you personally, for your family, or for this community. And my encouragement is today, is that let's take what he says seriously. And for the Israelites, the only logical answer for them was to either go back into Egypt, to where they were slaves, or to stay and remain where they were. And sometimes that's what we're like, We basically say we want to retract backwards or we want to stay right in our situation. And unfortunately, this was an act of disobedience. And disobedience, just as obedience has great fruit and implications, disobedience also has implications. And the fruit and the implications of their disobedience meant that whole generation did not enter the promised land. And what's crazy is that it was 12 spies that were sent into that promised land. But because of um, 10 of them, 10 of them that went around spreading a bad report, a whole nation, a whole community group, a whole, um, a whole, um, a whole generation did not enter the thing that God has called for them. So my question is for you, I don't, wanna, I don't want it to sound scary, but my question is for you, is that again, what is that thing that the Lord has spoken to you about? And can I just say that your obedience and your disobedience does not just have an effect on you, but it also has an effect on the people around you and the people who are connected to you. And I believe there is a better way, there is a better way to respond, especially when we hear a word from the Lord. And I believe it's this. So let's turn to Luke chapter (laughs) 1. Verse 26. You know what to say when you're there? Amen. (laughs) Amen. So it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are and you are to call him Jesus. He will be a great He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give you the throne at his father's David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary responded, "How would this be?" Mary asked the angel, "Since I am a virgin." The Lord answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be born the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive, it's in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And this is what Mary responded. I am the the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your, word be, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So I just feel like this is a great example of our heart posture when we hear something from the Lord, where we simply say, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. And also, if you're like me, when you hear something from God, you try to work it out, you try to strive, you try to come up with all sorts of strategies. And also, a big thing that I try to do is that I try to compromise. Like, it reminds me of the situation with Abraham and his wife where where the Lord basically said to them, I will give you a son. And Abraham slept with his wife's handmaiden. So essentially, what did he do? He compromised that word. And my encouragement for us tonight um, for us this morning, I should say, sorry, I'm still I'm, <laughs> my trip from, from Croydon literally jet lagged. <laughs> for, for, for us this morning, is that we will not take the Lord's word in vain. And we wouldn't try to compromise it and be like, okay, yeah, perhaps this is what the Lord actually meant. Perhaps it's not actually meant to look like this. Where we just say, "I am your servant, may your word be fulfilled and I remember even when it came to us planting into london i um, I remember um, when because essentially when we planted into London and um, when we got those words um, that we are going to plant into London, I remember even someone who was part of my home group, she was a student, and she said to me, Wale, I couldn't concentrate in my lectures all day today, and this was in Imprint Leicester. She said that I couldn't concentrate in my lectures today because the Lord had just been speaking to me about um, Imprint planting into London. And I remember that being the final confirmation, and we sat down as a team and I said, okay, um, so God has put this on our hearts, He's spoken to us very clearly about us planting into London. And bearing in mind, we had only been in Leicester for eight months. Our plant had only been going for eight months. And I said, how are you already calling us into London? God, this is crazy. But we, we had so many confirmations. And we sat together as a leadership team. And I said, OK, what would basically show that we are taking a step, just like the Israelites, in terms of pursuing the promised land? What would actually show that we are taking a step to partner with this prophetic word that the Lord has given us? And then someone in the team said, okay, let's have our first gospel showcase outside of Leicester and have it in London. So I was like, okay, yes, let's do it, let's do it. So we started looking at venues. I remember I took the train um, from Leicester to London and I started looking at different venues and meeting up with people. And because of our showcases, there's quite a few hundreds um, of people, um, some of these venues were charging us 10 grand and i was like "Ooh, (laughs) yeah 10 grand and i remember going to another venue and it was like oh 15 grand and after i was seeing all these different um, venues with their price tags um and it was 15 grand for just one night and after seeing um because it was in the um it was in the city of london and after seeing those different price tags uh i essentially came back to the team and i said guys I've discerned it. The Lord is not calling us to London. <laughs> I remember saying that. The Lord is not calling us to London. Because why would he call us to London when we can't afford it? We've got it wrong. Don't worry, guys. The Bible says test or prophecy. And guess what? I've tested this one, and this is not from God. <laughs> and they were like, they looked at me confused. And they were like, but, well, we, we know this is God. And I was like, mm you've heard wrong. This is not from God and I remember um, the Lord just gave me a few days but a few days later he spoke to me and he basically said well just because you've received a limitation doesn't mean it wasn't me speaking and afterwards a few months later um, some people heard that we wanted to have an event in London and they said we'll sponsor everything and even um, another um, a venue where we actually had um, the event they said we'll dramatically cut the cost because we believe that God is calling you guys and just imagine I stopped and said, because of my insecurity, because of my limitation, I can't I can't partner with this. And if I stopped at that limitation, we wouldn't have a church plant in London. And we've seen so many people come through our doors. Even my own sister, who couldn't who goes to King's University, she couldn't find a community in London. She found it really difficult. And it's been a pleasure of mine even seeing her find community and just seeing her grow from faith to faith, where the Lord is just affirming her, where the Lord is stretching her. And when I look back and when I um, go back to the testimony that person shared where they said, well, I thank you for your obedience, I was emotional because I was so close to disobedience. So on that note, I would like us to rise, if we could please. And, um, yeah, if we close our eyes, please, yeah. And I just kind of sense for some of us, perhaps we just need to repent. We just need to repent for perhaps trying to compromise the word that the Lord has given us or perhaps of this community. Yeah, I really just um, sense strongly that even with this building, the Lord is saying it's not a fluke. It's not a fluke that this was a strategic move to this building, a strategic move for this area in particular. And I'm just seeing um, just so many people just streaming in, streaming in. And even, um, you've probably received it before, but I just see um, living water just gushing out of this place and just going into um, different streets and stuff. And I feel like the Lord's saying that I've moved you guys into this place. I've moved you guys into this place. And also, I just feel like if you've received a word personally for yourself or for your community or for your family and you've not believed it, perhaps you've even tried to limit it, then God, the, the psalmist says that the Lord is ready to restore the repentant one. So let's just repent in our own way. Just say, God, I apologize. I apologize, God. Stow up your faith inside of me again. Give me your dreams. Give me your vision. I want to hear your heart, Lord. I want to hear your heart, Lord. And I even sense right now that the Lord is just speaking to some of us. Just some of us are even receiving pictures of old dreams that we felt like were not from him. And the Lord is just stirring that up again. Yes, Holy Spirit, come. Come. Come Lord. Come, Lord. Yeah, we just give a bit more time. Come, Jesus. Refresh us back again, refresh us back again. In Jesus' name. Amen.